Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint, and I, I can't I can't figure it out, but for some reason, whenever I read a Matt Walsh post, whenever I scroll down, I always find somebody excusing the, and they're not trying to, but you know, in their practical application, that's what they're doing. They're excusing the, the thing that Matt Walsh is complaining about uh, with premillennial dispensationalism. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, Matt Walsh usually draws attention to something negative, usually in his post. See, he doesn't talk about positive things. Actually, when he talks about positive things, he lets the article that he posts do that for him, usually. Um, but he usually writes about negative things and, and calls out sin and wickedness uh, in his, you know, in his personal blogs and stuff like that. Um, and you know, he might call about something like uh, some sort of law was passed prohibiting freedom of speech or freedom of religion, or maybe he'll uh, write a blog about the sanctity of marriage and how it's being attacked or something. And uh, as he points these things out, I usually go down and read the comment battles to, you know, um, you know, get a little more informed about uh, things because you, you can learn a lot, uh, especially with all those eyes on an article like that. You get a lot of informed opinions. Not that I really care about them that much, but I like to test them against the weight of Scripture. And it doesn't take long before I find some person on there excusing the bad behavior with premillennial dispensationalism. Uh, I, I usually like to save the the quotes that I see um, uh, on my phone because it's like it doesn't take me long. Within seconds, I can f- scroll down and find someone going, "Well, we're in the last days, Matt." So this is you know this is what we got to expect. You know this is this is all part of the plan. You know this is, and, and I'll read some of them for you. I mean, and I'm serious that the, these are all from different articles. So you can just scroll right down and find them yourself. These are Christians excusing the behavior that's going on in our society by saying that, hey, we're in the last days, so what are you going to do? Here's some quotes. Georgiana says, uh, I truly pray we are in the last of the last days because if things are going to get even worse and more and more upside down, I don't think I want to be here to see it. Jerry says, my fear is the second coming will be the only thing that can write this course. We must pray. Joe says, we are warned that all things will wax worse and worse. Should we be surprised? Diana says, but does this bring glory to God? We are in such sad and evil times. We must guard our thoughts and minds until he comes for us. Lord, have mercy on your creation and your people. Now, I, I could can go on reading because I'm serious. Almost every single Matt Walsh post, you can keep scrolling down. You'll find one eventually. You'll, you will find somebody on there trained by their church to excuse away the cultural wickedness with, with bad theology. Now, I don't want to totally throw every premillennial dispensationalist under the bus. Like I said before, when I first started this podcast, I do not have a problem with individuals Um. Uh, I don't have a personal problem with individuals. I have a personal problem with the corporate application of this foolish theology that's neutralizing and suffocating the church from doing something about the corporate wickedness that we that we see going on around us. 
I have a lot of premillennial dispensational friends, and they are, you know, doing something. And so, you know, some of them are, some of them aren't doing something about the wickedness that uh, is going on around, or trying to at least, or trying to at least have an impact on their local circles. Now, most of them aren't trying to have a long-term impact because the theology demands that they do not. They try to get as many people into the fold before the the Lord comes back. I grew up with this. Uh, theology and didn't really know how to <clears throat> explain it all. Didn't really know how to think about it. But after reading a few books and talking with uh, some uh, enlightened people or some—I uh, hate to use this word—but some woke people, I started to get a clue about what the Scripture actually says concerning the end times and the the rapture and all that kind of stuff. I want to talk about today and bring your attention to a passage that's not really talked about that often when it comes to postmillennialism. Uh, I'm a post-millennialist. I believe the world is getting better and better with each passing day. America might not be getting better and better, but I believe the world as a whole is getting better. Um, I believe there's lots of scripture to support this. I believe current events support this. And I want to talk about a passage of scripture that is not often talked about by post-millennialists, but I was thinking about it today. And the passage of scripture uh, comes from Exodus chapter 20. Uh, when it's talking about the Ten Commandments. And the verse is uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am jealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now here we see the Lord visits the iniquity that the fathers commit and brings it upon the children. But the next verse it's limited, he says, to third and fourth generation. It's limited to that. But then in verse 6, it says, but showing love to steadfast love to thousands, and some uh, some translations will say to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. This this verse, this these two verses right here alone are enough to make a case for post a strong case for post-millennialism. If we really believe these things, how can the wickedness overcome righteousness when the Lord is visiting the is limiting his his wrath to third to three or four generations and showing his steadfast love to thousands of generations of those who love him? How in the world can the world continue to get worse and worse if Satan's running things with with this in place? How is that how is that happening? What did Jesus Christ die and you know send to heaven? This isn't true anymore. For my premillennial dispensationalist friend, that you know, I when I get into discussions, um, the, the we always talk about the thousand year reign. The thousand year reign always comes up every single time we talk about the thousand year reign. And the and the premillennial dispensationalists are uh, staunch defenders that it's a literal one thousand year reign. I rarely ever hear a premillennial dispensationalist say that's figurative. It's it's just a long time. I rarely ever hear that. So my question is for them. Uh, for the premillennial dispensationalist, when you come to this verse, do, do you think that we have to have a thousand generations before the Lord comes back for this to be true? He says, but showing love to thousands of generations or to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. My point is, we haven't even had a thousand generations yet. So how could the Lord be coming back in my lifetime if we haven't even had a thousand generations? We might have a thousand generations um, what do you say, laterally, but not horizontally. How many, how many generations was it from 
Adam to Christ. It wasn't even triple digits. And that was, you know, 4,000 years. And how many, I mean, it's only been 2,000 years since then. So what, what are we at? Like two, 300 generations in total? I don't know. I'm, I'm bar, bar, ballparking it. I haven't, I, haven't even, I haven't even looked it up. I'm just going off of, you know, the testimonies of, of, of the, the biblical generations. What are we at? Like 200 generations now? Maybe from, from me to Adam? 300? I'll, I'll, I'll get through your bones. Say 500? So how in the world, if this is true, how can the Lord show love to a thousand generations if Christ is coming back in my lifetime? We haven't even reached a thousand generations yet. Here's the Lord planning for a thousand generations. He has that in mind. He's looking down the line at a thousand generations. He's trying to show love to a thousand generations from Adam. We haven't even reached that yet. So how in, the, how in the world are we planning for the Lord to come back when he hasn't even shown love to a thousand generations yet? He's got to show love to a thousand generations before the Lord comes back. These two verses alone are enough to make a case for postmillennialism. How can the world be getting worse when the Lord limits his wrath to third and fourth generations but extends his love to thousands, thousands? Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. My question is, if the Lord is planning for a thousand generations, why aren't we planning for a thousand generations? Where do we go wrong? I mean, why aren't we saying, okay, the Lord says that he's going to show love to a thousand generations to those who love him. Why aren't we trying to plan for that? We're not planning for that. We're planning for, the, for, for, for my, we're planning for this generation. We've been planning for this generation for the past 200 years, figure of theology that's been wrong for 200 years. Ever since this nonsense came into our culture, no one's been, no one thought about me. Who, who in the world 200 years ago who believed in this, in this theology, this premillennial dispensationalism theology, was thinking about me. Who was planning for me? Not many. I can tell you that right now. We got to start planning a thousand years down the road. What does Martin Selbrady say? Satan is a better, you know, theologian than, you know, most Christians because he is, he does have long-term plans. He has long-term plans. And Martin brings up the point that when it comes to the Christians versus Satan, Christians have short-term plans to, to make as many disciples uh, as they possibly can in the next, you know, I don't know, 60 years is probably as far as we're planning uh, uh, corporately. But Satan is planning for, you know, hundreds of years. Goodness knows with this, this horrible theology he's been pl he's been planning for hundreds of years. We need to be planning for a thousand. If the Lord is planning for a thousand years, why aren't we planning for a thousand generations if the Lord's planning for that? We need to start planning for thousands of generations. I want to start planning ahead for my children, my children's children, my children's children. And the way to do that, first off, is to throw off the chains of foolish theology. When I read through these Matt Walsh posts and I look at these comments and I look at the, I mean, these comments are not a, a flash in the pan. These, th this is not a nuance. This is standard practiced theology in this culture when you look around you do not see people thinking generations down the line they're just not doing it because they believe in a theology that excuses 
this this planning ahead for thousands of years. They excuse it by embracing the imminent rapture, imminent return. By the grace of the Lord, there will be thousands of generations in the timeline of this world. And when they come into this world, they will know that their forefathers were expecting them and were celebrating them before they even came here. Be strong and courageous, my friends. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org.